Welcome back to the Roster Watch Podcast. This is Alex Dunlap. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. We have an awesome guest today, but first I wanted to get to a couple of housekeeping things. For the NFL Draft, we will once again be live there on the scene for you guys, covering every single pick, breaking down the fantasy football analysis for Dynasty, Redraft, Best Ball, also you know covering the sports betting angles. That'll be on SiriusXM, Fantasy Sports Radio. We will be on primetime for Thursday night and Friday night all the way until midnight Eastern, and then we will have every pick of day three as well. I think we get done Saturday at like 6 p.m. Eastern, so make sure you stay tuned there, lock those in, uh, get them in your calendars. It will be appointment listening. A bunch of awesome analysts are going to be on there with us. We're going to be part of the panel, Byron and myself, so make sure you tune in there at SiriusXM Fantasy, uh, Sirius 210 XM 87. Thank you guys who have been supporting the podcast via giving us ratings and reviews in iTunes. I see you. Thank you so much. As always, if you want more of the Roster Watch podcast, you can get it by getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It is due to listeners like you that all of this is possible, and you get multiple extra podcasts per week from me, from Byron, from The Trash Man, and with other great guests. Our guest today is a dude that I'd never talked to before, but it was awesome to get to know him and kind of talk to him in this conversation, mainly about rookie running backs and rookie wide receivers for the 2019 class. His name is Russell Clay. He writes for Fantasy Guru as far as fantasy football stuff, and he's also the college DFS guy for Guru Elite, so works for our guy Jeff Manns over there at Fantasy Guru and at Guru Elite doing great work as always. Uh, With Russell Clay, we talk about basically all the guys at the very top of this draft. We talk about uh, some of his findings about what exactly draft capital means as far as you know how it's quantified whenever you look back a couple decades as to uh, what players have done production-wise based on where they were drafted and there's really more there than I ever thought. We toss around the term draft capital a lot in fantasy football. Uh, Russell Clay does a really good job explaining it here in this one. Just an all-around cool dude. Uh, a, a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. You can find him on Twitter at Russell J. Clay. I ask that you mobilize, unite, go and give Russell Clay a follow. And now we get to my conversation. I bring you Russell Clay. This is AJ Brown and you're listening to Roster Watch. special guest here uh, on the phone lines or the Skype wires all over the interwebs. You know him well from Twitter. We talked about him coming in. He does the college football DFS for Guru Elite. He does the redraft dynasty prospect work for our guy Jeff Mance over there at fantasyguru.com. He is Russell Clay. Russell, what the hell's going on, brother? Hey, uh, uh, not much. Uh, getting warm over here. My, my pale skin in Tucson, Arizona is sizzling right now both both of us are both of us are just now like getting into our like tank top season and yeah both of us i can tell are getting a little bit a little bit lobster colored and and red around the around the shoulder areas we're doing our various uh, yard work here between podcasts um 
Certainly appreciate you coming on, brother. I know you're doing a, p- a ton of this stuff with the rookie wideouts and the rookie running backs. Uh, Want to get into a bunch of that with you and also maybe talk a little bit about a little bit of best ball. But before we do, I thought you had an interesting tweet yesterday that really was my impetus for asking you to come on the show. Um, it was the t- it was the tweet where you like you're of the opinion that if you go or for- fourth round or later, you're just you're just trash, right? Okay, so I, <laughs> I have two, two very differing um, ideas here, which is that, number one, I think we should be adjusting how we view players based on, you know, where they came from. Uh, so, for instance, I look, I look at a guy like Philip Lindsay last year who came in, you know, didn't get drafted, didn't get a combine invite, worked his way up from like absolutely nothing to a thousand yard runner um that the the difficulty there is is just incredible compared to say a guy who was drafted in the first or second round but it's just so much more difficult to jump up a depth chart and to sort of get that real opportunity as a later round guy. And I do a lot of sort of probability and odd stuff. Uh, and basically, I mean, for us dynasty drafters, guys after the third round, you know, let's, you know, let's say a running back. Um, if he's drafted in the first round, um, he has like an 81. Right, so wait, wait, wait. So, so let's talk. This, sure. this is going to be great information, but I want to clarify first. Sure. We're not talking about the first round of a rookie draft. We're talking about the first round of the actual NFL draft. Correct. Okay. Yes. So, so say a running back is drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, he has an 81% chance uh, based on, you know, the last two decades of drafts of getting at least one uh, thousand yard or more yards from scrimmage season. And if you go to like the fourth round, it's only 18%. And, you know, if you go and basically what I was trying to talk about yesterday was the difference between going in the third round and going in the fourth round is incredibly significant. So if you go in, if a running back goes in the third round of the NFL draft, they have basically uh, a quarter chance of having two seasons with a thousand yards from scrimmage. And one round later, it's only 7%. So it, it, so, it's it's, like, it's, so it's like, it's like an ima- it's like an imaginary, it seems like it should be arbitrary, but for some reason it's not. It seems like it should be arbitrary because all it really is, it, I mean, maybe in some way you have to put yourselves in the minds of these coaches and these GMs. And for some reason, maybe the same way that we are as analysts of the draft and stuff like that, like we think spending a day two pick on somebody is a pretty damn big deal. Whereas it seems like even if you're a fourth round pick, even though you could be literally, it could be literally one pick after the last pick of the third round, you're still a day three guy. Right. And, and there's a lot of factors that go into this. A lot of it is, did you, you say know, it fell from the 25% chance to a 7% chance from the, third yeah. The so the, the true numbers are, so two seasons of, of 1000 yards from scrimmage, 24% for a third rounder and 7.4% for a fourth rounder. That's so, I mean, that's like, 
if you're a third rounder, you have basically a three and a half, you know, three and a half uh, better odds of of hitting that. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors, but it's really injuries and off field that that kind of push this. Um, and the the few players that have succeeded in later rounds, you think about like Tyreek Hill. Or Jay Ajayi, or it, it, who 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 hasn't succeeded? Well, really, yeah, but yeah, I mean, he has. You're not thrilled to have been a Jay Ajayi owner this this whole time, but I guess he he does meet your threshold. Has, has he had two thousand plus yard seasons? I don't even know if he has. I get yes. Well, I guess I would say is in context, he's had a good career for a fifth rounder. Okay, if he was like a second rounder, you know, gotcha. It would be much less impressive. Yeah. Understood. And then, and then, so I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, but like it, it, so for you, does that mean, I mean, how often do you take into these things? Do you, do you actually take these things into significant consideration whenever like people talk about draft capital all the time for, for dynasty? This is basically you just contextualizing draft capital, quantifying it. Correct. And so I think one of the things that, is very important to me and I always try to emphasize emphasizes that you can search for outliers. You just have to realize, you know, the draft round could mean they have a lot more work to do to be fantasy relevant, you know? Uh like I, I don't know, think of some of the later round guys of late. I mean, Stefan Diggs, you know, it, the the numbers are pretty similar across all positions. Uh, I'm working on the quarterback and tight end now, uh, but I mean they're they're pretty similar across every position, which tells me I feel personally that the NFL draft is a little more efficient than people give credit to. I don't think each NFL team is good. I think there are still very bad uh, evaluating NFL teams, but as a whole, over 32 teams, I think they kind of you know, as a big blob, figure it out. Yeah. You, you look at the, you just look at the, even if you look at 2018, just, in, you know, for the fantasy scores, you know, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, James Connors, the first one there who wouldn't have qualified Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, I think slipped to the second round only. Because of his off-field stuff, David Johnson. Connor, Connor was actually a third rounder. He was. I I, t- I, I, I totally forgot that. All right, um, <laughs> David Johnson, third rounder. Third round. James White was foot fifth. Yeah, something like that. Derrick Henry, or was he early, early early second? Because because yep. the Cowboys could have had Jalen Ramsey and Derrick Henry as opposed to Ezekiel Elliott and, and Jalen Smith. That's um, right. Li- uh, Philip Lindsay. It's like Philip Lindsay, Chris Carson are the first two you come to last year that were, you know, off of this, um, off of this. And even below them, Chubb, Peterson, Jordan Howard, Tevin Coleman, I believe was the third rounder. Tariq, what was Tariq Cohen? He's fourth. Fourth round. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it kind of, bear, it kind of bears out. Even as we look at the top 20 here, we're looking at maybe three of these guys who were outside of the top, uh, the top three rounds. I've, I've never... I've always been a guy that said that, you know, draft capital is definitely outweighed by talent meeting opportunity. But 
I think you've made a good case here as far as like, is it the same for wide receivers? What, like, is were the numbers you laid out just now just for total thousand yard seasons among running backs and wide receivers? That was just running backs. What so, about wide receivers? Do you have that data? I do. Um, so basically, I used I used pretty like low thresholds because. If you go too high, like bust rates in general are pretty high, uh, especially for wide receivers. So I used 800 receiving yard seasons, which is kind of like at the the cusp of fantasy relevance. You know, 800, right. you, you can probably get a few startable weeks. But so first rounders, uh, if you're a first rounder, your chances of getting one uh, 800 receiving yard season is like 57.3%. Um, it's the Laquan Treadwells and the Corey Coleman's and shit dragging that yeah. one down. Huh? It's, it, it, it's, it's that whole Josh Doxon class that just killed that one. Correct. Yeah. That, that, that class alone probably <laughs> lowered the odds. Yeah. Um, but then if you go to the fourth round, it's only 12.9% of one season. And then, um, you know, a first rounder getting two 800 yard seasons is 40%. And a fourth rounder is five. <laughs> 5.9%. So you're looking at 20 to one for a fourth rounder to get two 800 yard seasons. Unbelievable. It just doesn't seem like, it seems like for wide receivers, since there's so many, so many more of them on the football field, they get more chances. It seems like it would be more likely to find those late round gems at that position. Because like we're talking about only 800 yards, but it's, I mean, it's true. You look at these guys, and a lot of like a lot of these guys went really early. That are the that are like you, I mean, you mentioned Tyree Kill, but we know why he fell, right? And, and like yeah. you said, some of this gets pushed by some of this gets pushed by off field stuff and by injury stuff. And but it's like, do we think about it? That is that causation or is that correlation? Because it's like the NFL teams know these guys have off field issues. The NFL teams know that they have injury issues, and that's why they fall down the board. It goes back to what you're saying about maybe the draft is a little bit more efficient and something that we should take into consideration more because maybe, God forbid, these fucking teams maybe maybe know more than we do when we're sitting at home, <laughs> you know, watching these players on YouTube. Um, all right, cool. So as far as the running backs that are going to be going this year in 2018, they – how many of these guys do you have going days days one and two? Do you think do you think any of these guys will creep into day one and be sort of a surprise? Um, Rashad Penny, like will like will there be a Rashad Penny surprise where we're just like holy shit, man? Here at the end of the round, there's a there, there's a running back that that goes. As I look over this draft, I mean the only the only spot I really see is maybe maybe Oakland maybe tries to grab one of these guys earlier. Maybe somebody just kind of jumps in there to the end of the first to, to, to try and make that happen. As I'm looking over names, I mean, Josh Jacobs, I don't know how you feel about him, but, um, well, let me just ask you, how do you feel about Josh Jacobs? Is, is, is he your RB one? And, um, what's your book on him thus far? So this is, this is a great topic. And, um, so if I'm going to care about draft position, I should be trying to project that onto some of these prospects. Um, and that's something I I've started doing. Uh, and I started doing that, I think two seasons ago. And, and that's at guru now where I project draft position for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Um, I currently have four guys who I think can go in the second round. Uh, I have Daryl Henderson, 
Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Miles Sanders as guys, you know, just based on their their profiles, athletic testing, college production. I, I think those four are the ones we're looking at that can really make an impact. And yeah, you mentioned Josh Jacobs. He's a guy I don't I don't really know what to do with. Um because, you know, based on what I look at. Uh, especially early in the process, no athletic testing, limited, uh, you know, production, uh, but he played for Alabama. And so (laughs) it's really hard to uh, figure out where he's going to go. But I mean, at this point, we kind of have to be at the will of, of what the media is telling us. It sounds like Josh Jacobs could go in the late first and, uh, they just have way more information on him than I do at this time, you know, without athletic testing, without, you know, really seeing him in a featured role. So I, I think it's possible. Yeah. So, okay. I, I want to talk about that, but, but before we do, is, is Josh Jacobs your personal running back one for your rankings? Do you do rankings? Do you, I have him do you second. Okay. I haven't seen him to Daryl Henderson. Tell, tell me what you love about Daryl Henderson. I think he's, I, I, I think he has chicken legs. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That's undeniable. <laughs> he's got those Darren McFadden legs on him. Yeah, we'll no, see. he does. We'll see he does. Um, I, so I am, I do rely on college production a little bit. Um, but I, I just watched a lot of his games and, <laughs> That system certainly inflates things, but I thought he made some interesting plays with that speed. And I know it was only what four four nine, but um, he weighed in heavier than I expected, and um, I, I kind of liked some of the routes he ran. He he made some interesting deep target catches that caught my eye when I was doing DFS uh, this year. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. In uh, college DFS, man, for you, it's like since you do the college football DFS, you get to look at a lot of these guys. Before I get back to Henderson, let me ask you if it like is that skewed you, the way you view these guys that were the mega fucking producers like the David Sills and like these huge touchdown guys? Like, do you end up loving those guys a little bit more than maybe you should just because they were awesome DFS plays in, at, at, at the college level? Do you ever find yourself falling into that trap? I know a lot of college DFS players do who are also drafted. I think you'd be crazy to deny that. Right. I mean, especially right. if a guy leads you to like a GPP yeah, winner. Yeah, 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 right. I mean, there's clearly, especially when you're evaluating them every week and stuff. I mean, I I wouldn't deny a bias uh, because I do that. Yeah. 2,204 total yards for Daryl Henderson, a 30% market share of that team's total Total offense, a twenty-five, uh, 33% market share on the total touch. I can't believe he had 25 fucking touchdowns. I mean – he was splitting carries with with the kid too, man. Pollard, Pollard, uh, yeah. And, and so I, I'm I, I'm having trouble with where to slot him. I really at the combine when I got to look at him, he's just like I know he's two oh eight. I know that's exactly as big as Devontae Freeman and Trey Mason and all these guys were at the combine too. Like that's the exact size. It's right there in the pocket, man. Like that's fine. I just he he seems slighter than I thought. I just I've I've, tr- I've trouble shaking it, but it's true. The production is like. Out of all the guys I've, that I've done work on so far, um, he has the – as far as my production score on him – let's see if I can sort this thing. Such good radio here, sort C to A. So it's like 20 – it's like like the 
seventh best overall just production score in the context of that mm-hmm. offense. And it seems like it should be higher, but it's just that's such a prolific offense there in in Memphis. And the other the the, the other worry I have is you know it's like the kind of like the Rashad Penny problem that I had last year with the just how prolific that offense is at San Diego State. It's like, man, Danell Pumphrey's a little fucking pipsqueak. It's not even on an NFL team anymore that ran for 8,000 yards a season there too. So you, you wonder if it's like, you know, how much of that do you, do, you, do you put in? But I do agree that, you know, there's going to be teams that – I think he has a ton of upside. I think that it's they're going to be teams who love him. I think he's going to have the draft capital that we look for to be able to have a guy who could come in that they're going to want to get the ball in his hands. And everybody gets brought into a committee situation these days, everybody. But what we look for in fantasy is we look for the ability. It's like, all right, well maybe this guy can either separate or when somebody else gets hurt or whenever they kind of, you know, they, they're, they're not up to muster. This is a guy that maybe through six games of the season, we get a lot of elite production from. And I could totally see Daryl Henderson in that same mode with Josh Jacobs. I understand what you had said about him. And it was only until recently, and I heard this from Daniel Jeremiah, who we know is super plugged in with a ton of scouts and stuff. Correct. And Correct. he said, you know, he has Josh Jacobs as like his number five player in the whole goddamn draft. And, you know, somebody asked him the same question that I keep having, which is, look, are, why do we keep thinking we're so much smarter than goddamn Nick Saban, who's like the goat of all time college coaches? Like, he played Damian Harris more than he played Josh Jacobs. Like, why do we think we're so goddamn smart? Like, like <laughs> we got Nick Saban here. But, but, but Daniel Jeremiah's response to that, he said, "Dude, I was down there. I was down there at Alabama Pro Day, and which which is an awesome pro day every, every year that we love attending. But certainly, J- Daniel Jeremiah gets much better access than us because he was able to talk to Saban, and Saban said, look, like we didn't need him. We were up fifty-five to zero in half these games. Like you saw at the end of the season, whenever we needed him." You saw how we used them, and so I mean, I to me, it's just it's just when you see what Josh Jacobs does well, and you see him utilized heavy in the receiving game against the best opponents. I mean, you see him really, really, really put on a show at the times that he was used, and you kind of hear that stuff from behind the scenes from guys in the know. It makes me think that Josh Jacobs might have a better chance of creeping up into the first round than a guy like Daryl Henderson. Um, we talked about – you also mentioned Miles Sanders, and I believe you mentioned – was it Damian Harris or David Montgomery who you thought could go on, on, on day two? Damian Harris. So, yeah. so tell me about Miles Sanders. What do you like about him? I mean, 79, 79th percentile spark athlete. I mean, he had the great, the great combine. The only thing is, you know, he was kind of buried behind Saquon for a while. So this, this – all this leads into a great conversation about – uh, the responsibility of evaluating production, uh, and one of those responsibilities is knowing what the teammates looked like on their teams. You know, Miles Sanders is a great example. What did we expect him to do? You know, with, with Saquon there, yeah, not much. It's like his first two years, he was the backup of Saquon Barkley. Okay, like if you got zero yards, that'd be acceptable for me. Um, <laughs> Josh Jacobs had Damian Harris, who who was an incumbent. You know, he was there before him. And then Najee Harris, rated number one overall prospect in the country. Uh, he wasn't going to Alabama unless he probably got guaranteed playing time. So, I mean, there are reasonable reasons why Jacobs maybe uh, didn't get those touches. But, yeah, I, I love what, what Sanders did. 
I felt especially by the end of that season, the end of Penn State season, Trace McSorley was kind of banged up. Their offense had really stagnated and and teams were figuring out he was kind of the guy and he still had some really big games. Uh, I I like his athleticism uh, and. I just think, you know, his size for, for an, a sort of underwhelming class for me, I think he's a guy that has the potential to um, emerge into a bigger role. Well, he reminds me of a mix of like Kareem Hunt and TJ Yeldon. I know, mm-hmm. my, I, I know my friend, um, Matt, do you know Matt Kelly from over at player profiler? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like over there, he, his, his comps, Felix Jones, which I'm not, I think I think that's probably fine. I think it has to do with his receiving because he's got the market share, the twelve percent market share of the total of the total receptions on the team last year, which is basically outside of Alex Barnes, who's another guy that's sort of a little bit of a darling of the metrics sort of community. Outside of him and then the kid James Williams from Washington State, like those are the top three guys as far as a market share of receptions on their team. So we know Miles Sanders can catch the ball. We know he tests like an absolute goddamn beast. I had Greg Gabriel on the podcast last week who used to be a um, – he's a notable cur- cur- curmudgeon on Twitter and used to be the just director of player personnel for the Bears for like a decade. My, he has Miles Sanders graded well above Josh Jacobs and thinks that some teams might as well. So I don't know. I, 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 I guess I just don't know if any of these guys are going to make their way into round one. If, I, if you're to put an over-under on round one running backs right now, would it be .5? Would it be 1.5? I mean, maybe 1.5 with the juice, you know, big time juice on 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 the um, on the on the under. Like the under would be minus 200 or something like that. Like I don't know. What do you think? I'd make people pay up to to uh, get that under. Yeah, I'd put it at 0.5 just because Jacobs could. Uh, based on some of those reports, specifically, uh, you mentioned Jeremiah, that's kind of the guy I was thinking about as well. Uh, beyond that, I don't really, um, I don't really trust it, but okay. So one question for a combine goer, uh, how inflated do you think these weights are? And then we can, you know, talk about maybe justice hell. (laughs) I I mean, I think the weight. I just, I've never thought about it. I've just thought about the weights, the weight, man. I mean, yeah, okay. the weight's the weight. I mean, they can they can take it off or put it on. Uh, to, to me, that's not a. It's not a. Um, it's it's it really hasn't been a consideration just because we haven't really seen that much difference between the you know pro day weights and combine weights. You know, Fair. like okay. th- th- that I that I've been able to notice. But anything I would be interested in hearing Justice Hill, and then also interested in hearing what which of the, so you have four you think could go round two possibly with Jacobs talking about a point five under for a round one running back staying on your theme about the, you know, we're looking at the top three rounds for these producers. Well, who could go day two? I mean, do you think that um, David Montgomery could be in that mix? You mentioned yeah. Justice Hill. Could he be in that mix? Uh, you hear a lot of people talk about Devin Singletary, who I've really, really soured on through the process. I mean, are, are there, how many guys do you think we're looking at in this class that are going to be round one or day two picks at the running back position? So I have 10. Uh, in the, in the second to, I have a bunch of guys that I, I see as third or fourth round guys right now. Um, Montgomery is one of them. I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt because all everyone loves him so much, but based purely on his, his production profile and athletic testing, I kind of see him more as a fourth round guy, but did um, you bump up his, 
Did 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 you give him a bump for his improvement at the uh, pro day forty? Yeah, I saw that, and I kind of had a re. You watch the film, and he does look very good. So it, it kind of averages out, and I'll give him a third, a third for now. But um, I think he'll go in the third round. Yeah, but, but here's the thing: it's it, it's not a, it's not a secret that he's kind of slow. I mean, right. he he didn't score a single touchdown for from uh, from that was not inside the you know inside the I believe inside the twenty five yard line. So like like he doesn't he's he's not going to be a home run hitter at the, at the next level at all. But the things that he does well, he does he does pretty pretty well. I mean, to me, it's like not for the any of the off field stuff, but like watching him you know, super closely down here in big 12 country, man. Like he's always reminded me a little bit of like a Ray Rice, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a little bowling ball, man. And he's a, he's a good, really good player. And he knows how to, you know, knows how to use his eyes, knows how to utilize his leverage. He's got great shed ability through his hips, rarely ever goes down on, on first contact. He broke pro football focuses scale for force missed tackles. It's, he's got the, two best seasons of force missed tackles that they've ever had since they started doing college football. That was according to our friend, Scott Barrett. So, I mean, there's a lot to like, except, you know, if you want to, if you want a home run hitter, you're not going to get it. But I mean, 57% market share of the rushes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, he, he even, even had a 9% market share of the, uh, of the, um, of the receptions. And just, uh, I mean, it's like 33% of the, t- of the total touchdowns. I mean, th- 28% of the total, t- total team yardage. It's like, it's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a beast, man. Like, he's a really good college player. I, I don't think he'll get out of day two. I, I loved watching Iowa State this year. I thought they had a really fun offense. Uh, Campbell's their coach. He's got a great coach, man. Yeah, yeah Matt, man. Matt Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, and, they, and and they have him locked up, man. Like he gets offers, and just he just stays. I have no idea why. I would never stay there. <laughs> I mean, would you? I mean, what is that? Ames, Iowa? Fuck, get, fuck that, man. No way. What do you think? What about Justice Hill? It, it, is 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 he going to go on the go on the day two? I think so. I, I think his athletic testing and he weighed in, you know, I, I was very happy with how he weighed in. Uh, I was, I was expecting in the one ninety range, kind of what is listed college weight, right. but, uh, he, he boosted that. And I feel, I feel pretty comfortable with him now as like a, a third rounder. Yeah. Who, who else? Uh, you said you had like 10 of them. So yeah. is that counting the four that we already talked about? Jacob Sanders, Harris and Henderson. So we have Hill. We have Montgomery. So that's six. And then I have I have these guys in the third or fourth range: Miles Gaskin, uh, Travion Williams, Mike Weber, and Travis Homer. What about? Um, let me. I'm just kind of looking over my list here. And so and so, no Devin Singletary, no, no Alex Barnes, no Rockwell Armstead. Those are the only guys who I might have ranked slightly higher than you, but I mean, they're guys that I only have ranked kind of rounding out my top 10 so far. So I don't think, I think we're probably on about the same page out of these guys, which one is the one in rookie drafts that you're going to be, whenever you think about rookie drafts, are you going wide receiver earlier? Are you going running back? Like if you have one Oh one in a rookie draft, what are you going to do with it? Uh, Harry or Brown. Yeah. 
But uh, I will say, I, I think there will be some value at running back in the in the second and third round. Uh, I'm interested in what happens with Miles Gaskin, also Mike Weber. Uh, Mike Weber kind of got Wally pipped by J.K. Dobbins, but I actually do think he's he's a pretty interesting guy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the wide receivers in this class a lot. J.K.'s from down here in my neck of the woods, man. I've I've seen Is that he? kid at camps. He's yeah, dude. That kid that kid's a that kid's a goat, man. He's really he's good. Monster. Um okay, so you so you, so you talked about Harry, you talked about AJ Brown. Those are my two. I have AJ Brown number one, I have Nikhil Harry number two. Um let's put the over under on first round first round wide receivers because you feel like as of right now, it sure seems like DK Metcalf's gonna go in the first round. Um uh, you, you hear talk about all these other guys. Maybe like we, we mentioned Daniel Jeremiah, right? He's got he's got Hollywood Brown, Mark Marquise Brown is his like number eleven prospect or something out of everybody. I, I always li- I whenever he has these guys ranked that high, I always sort of take notice. Um, you, you hear about you know some team is going to be interested in taking him in the first round. You hear there's more and more of a growing contingent on draft twitter at least among the matt waldman's matt waldman's the josh norris's the evan silva's regarding hakeem butler he is all of those guys number one uh you hear him you know you just hear him connected some to a lot of obvious teams like maybe the you know the Steelers or some of those teams that pick a little bit later in, in, in round one. And then Paris Campbell is another guy that you hear people say, well, if they're picking late in round one and Marquise Brown's not available, you know, maybe we could have a fallback plan for a Paris Campbell. So I don't know where I would set the over on. I haven't seen any props on this yet. As we get closer to the draft, that'll be something that I, you know, analyze a ton. But what if I had told you right now, 3.5 wide receivers in round one, what would you say? I'd say that's, a perfect number is yeah that's, that's it it's just, like, even, just like even money on each side okay yeah. so 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 your number one two or um it, do you have harry over brown or brown over harry i have i have harry over brown uh and but okay so if aj brown goes to like the cults then okay well no, no no no. this is all pre-draft stuff this, yeah, this yeah. shit gets mixed this shit all gets thrown way back and reshuffle once we know landing spots. But we're just talking right. about – So Harry would be my guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, because if Nikhil Harry ends up going with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and A.J. Brown goes with Aaron Rodgers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different. Though. We're yeah. going gonna to have a, a, a different conversation. I just – man, with, 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 with Nikhil Harry, I mean you did the college football DFS and I would just think that it, like a guy like you – who you know watches all this college football and grinds this fucking college football stats and just sweats these games, man? Like on Saturdays before you sweat your Sunday games, which is just so so sick. It's fun though, right? I, I guess. Um, I would just figure that you'd be an AJ Brown guy just because you've seen how much better he is than DK Metcalf on an actual football field. Uh, this this is an Arizona State. Uh, I, oh, I, you're in Arizona. I, okay, I, well, I forgot. No. No, no, no. I, I wasn't um, until until this year. So I'm from Massachusetts. But no, okay. so when I watched that Arizona State offense and I got a little bit of um, an answer here in their bowl game against Fresno State when Harry didn't play. But, man, I just felt like. Uh, Manny Wilkins was a big issue for Harry's entire career. I felt like that offense in general was was 
they really didn't have much, and he was really the only guy that could do deep targets. Uh, I mean, they had a few interesting underneath guys, but overall, it was just so ugly to watch them try to pass downfield. And and the only way they could complete passes if, if, is if Harry was, you know, had two guys draped around him catching one-handed passes. crazy. It's crazy yeah. how he's able to do it. Do you do you have a comp for Harry? Like a guy like I kind of see him a little bit like an Alshon Jeffery. Is who who reminds me a little bit of? I mean, it's lofty, but I I see a lot of Dez specifically. I see some Dez too. I see some Dez. Yeah, I specifically with he worked sort of on screens and they they let him do kick returns and 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 do all that fancy stuff and he he just he just provided such a wide range of of skills that I just feel like there's there's really no way he comes into the NFL and just you know fails i just i don't see how that would happen maybe he slots into a big slot role like some were suggesting but i see him as an outside receiver you know uh, yeah well that's the th- i mean he could do both those things and here and here's the other thing like when i mention alshon i mention alshon because he's a guy who plays outside but right. he's a guy that the team like grow will move him in like they'll move him inside to the slot like all the t- they move all these guys into the slot these Michael Thomas inside out they, they use them Julio they use them all inside and outside it's like yeah it gets I just I feel like it, it, it gets overblown sometimes um, okay where are you on Hakeem Butler it seems like he's the lightning rod right now you have Evan Silva says he's def- he's by far wide receiver one Matt Waldman comes out with his RSP he's the highest graded fucking wide receiver that he's ever he's been doing this since 2006 so he's higher graded than julio higher graded than like i can't even think about all the great wide receivers that have come out since 2006 interestingly um he also had you know he had miles boykin with a grade that was way up there with hakeem butler yeah that's like so much higher than like higher than julio and aj green and all these other guys too which is to me just I, that seems i love Love Waldman. He was on the pod just like two or three weeks ago, but I'm just like, whoa, dude. I mean, it's a really, really high praise. How do you feel about Hakeem Butler? Were you able to see him much? Uh, you said you watched, you got to watch some of those Iowa State games. Yeah. So, uh, and and Matt Waldman's RSP, you know, I may not agree with everything, but at least he shows his work, dude. And like, he puts yeah. in a ton of work. So, yeah. 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 I definitely respect that. So, and, and yeah, and Graham Barfield also came out with him as his, his wide receiver one. So I actually have spent a lot of time going back on Butler. Cause I, that's not the read I got. Um, even after the combine, obviously love the athleticism and size, but I, I viewed him as sort of a late first, early second round type prospect. My, my big hangup was, when I watched them in 2017, Iowa State, it was – you'd think a a bona fide WR1 in a draft class could pass Alan Lazard on the depth chart. That's really, that's really where I'm going back to the, the big hang-up for me on making him a, a, a WR1, you know, over a guy like Harry or Brown or something. I mean, these guys came in day one and were dominant – uh, well, maybe not dominant college football players, but by their sophomore year, they were dominant college football players. And and Butler was not until um, his final season. So he does have a lot of nice quality. Hockey Butler took a redshirt season. 
Yeah, a redshirt season, then sort of a nothing season uh, as his freshman year, and then was really the the, the pure second guy to Lazard in his – And his Lazard summer. sucks. I mean, I think Lazard – it's right. so crazy. I think that that guy was at the – I think he – it's so fucked up. It's like I don't even remember if he was at the Senior Bowl, and I spent the whole week there in the Players Hotel. Like I can't even remember. I think Lazard was there it, because, yeah, it, he's just – he is – He's not any good. Like that guy's a jag for sure. So he actually might be a jaguar. So let's say we put a a top, top, top prospect into that Iowa State depth chart over the years. A Calvin Johnson, a, you know, Amari Cooper, a, you know, any of those (laughs) top guys. Like they're blasting by Alan Lazard, right? Oh God! Like you put a Mike Evans there when he was a yeah. sophomore. So, oh God! It, like it, he it, it would be mincemeat. It would be curtains. Like I so I get it. But when when you look at the you look at the 2018 season, I mean, it's pretty pretty special from a, from a market yes. share perspective. And he kind of and he looks like he looks like a Calvin Johnson out there. Um, certainly made Chris Boyd from Texas look like absolute shit. But everybody, I guess everybody at the Senior Bowl made him look like shit. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like as far as the production, like let me see if uh, if I just look at the production score of the guys I've done, and I've done fifty six of these wide receivers, and he is in, he's in one, two, three, four, fifth place out of the whole class as far as his twenty eighteen production. If you look at the market share of the receptions, the receiving yards, the um, touchdowns, and the percentage of total plays, so it's like, you know, he's got the elite college production, the elite size adjusted speed. The ninety-seven, the ninety-second percentile spark, six foot five, right. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm banging my head against the wall because I like, like you, I really respect Baldwin. Certainly respect Silva. You know, all those guys at Roto World, Norris, like all they, they have a whole Hakeem Butler hive. But then you have guys who I also respect, like Daniel Jeremiah, who don't even have him in his top fifty. So yeah. it's like. Where, where, where are I guess you're kind of with, with me and with Hakeem Butler. It's like you're you can see it, but you don't really. I mean, you can see it, but you don't totally see it. Is that it? I mean, I'm a centrist. Yes, <laughs> I'm a centrist. Now <laughs> I'm a Hakeem Butler centrist. Well, what, 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 what? Which side of the aisle are you on with DK Metcalf? I mean, there's so much talk about him, and I'm 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 the guy that's like okay, four three three at two twenty eight. Uh, sure. Okay. Sign me no, up. I, 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 I get it. So, so he's your wide receiver three. Uh, yes, he is. Uh, as of now, I will say the biggest concern for me is the injuries. Uh, you know, two major injuries in college is not usually a good indicator for NFL success. Um, you know, especially with those tightly wound dudes, uh, Kevin white is one example that kind of, couldn't stay healthy in the NFL. Perriman. Yeah. Perriman, all those big guys that came in, it's like, what's going on? And Treadwell. (laughs) Treadwell was another guy, but he, he had a dev one devastating injury. It wasn't like DK that's had a few that were pretty significant. Right. Um, but you know he's 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 completely cleared now from the neck. Everything's fine. It's just the, everybody knows about the agility score. I I I think that with I think with him, best case scenario is like an Andre Johnson because I, I went back and look at Andre Johnson and Andre Johnson had shitty agility scores too, and he you know but super fast. So uh, 
the size there is a lot the same. He, Andre Johnson wouldn't, wouldn't even be quite as fast as DK Metcalf. You, just, you worry about the route tree because you see what the work the pro football focus has done. And so many of his routes will just go routes and hitches. He's not been able to do a bunch of digs, hasn't done a bunch of posts. Mm. If, if, you go to our, if you go to Roster Watch and look at the Pro Day videos of DK Metcalf, he does not look good getting in and out of his breaks. And I did not think he looked good inside Lucas Oil when, when, when we were watching his um, – his his drills there at at the combine, so I I think he has work to do. But then again, it's like it's kind of like the David Gettleman. It's like don't tell me what he can do, you know? Don't tell me what he fucking can't do. And like what he can do is he can go up and beast and get a football and run fucking by any of your guys and outsize yeah. them too. And so it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's probably gonna. Do you, do you think he'll be the first wide receiver off the board? I currently have. Byron as- thinks he will. Byron yeah. thinks it's a lock. He goes round one, just an absolute mortal lock and, 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 and that he's the first off the board. So, you know, if we, if we have him, if we have him as our, you know, number three or whatever, we're probably a little bit different than NFL teams and maybe, maybe being dumb yet again, what are the, which of these guys do you really, any of these guys you really stand up and you're, you're a truther for Wait, before I ask you that, I, I want to hear from you about the guy that I'm a truther for. And that's JJ Arcega Whiteside from Stanford. You're out there out on the West coast. Have you gotten to see him a good bit? Every time I saw him, I always said, dude, this guy looks like an Mike Evans or Vincent Jackson part two. The, uh, the athletic testing made me spit out my coffee. Uh, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So that's huge for him. Uh, I, I wasn't particularly high on him, uh, just purely because of the class in general. Like I like a lot of these guys, but after that athletic testing, I mean, you kind of go relook at everything and you're like, oh, I was looking at this the wrong way. If this guy can get deep, um, I mean, I won't say he can be a featured guy, but certainly a third round or, or higher caliber pick in the NFL draft. And then a guy that can definitely expand into a big role in the NFL. So, yeah, him and uh, you mentioned Miles Boykin either. Or also, that's another guy I had to go relook at after the combine. Obviously, no, he's yeah. It, it just uh, uh, about about Whiteside. I'll just say this too: he come. I didn't know this, but he comes from an elite um, athletic blood bloodlines. His dad's this guy like Joaquin Arcega, that's some kind of awesome like basketball player and his mom's Valerie Ooh. Whiteside who's some sort of you know uh, world champion like track athlete or like he like he's like the son of like he he's kind of like Odell Beckham Jr. he's like got two parents that are both each like world-class athletes so you can see where the, some of the athleticism comes from I think he comes from really good bloodlines and dude it's just like uh, for me it's uh, there might be something about just the way that I love these dudes who can make the contested catch and maybe that's a little bit of a bias but big fan of Whiteside did, did, did you say that you had gone back and seen any more of Boykin that you liked or like you like you're still kind of you're, you're still waiting to go back and see some more of him before you really just, just decide where you're going to slot him well I I watched. I was a. I was a big Ian Book guy uh, when they transitioned from Brandon Wimbush, and the the transition that offense made really makes you rethink his whole career. Right. Because uh, Wimbush was a complete liability as a passer the entire time, and then you had Equinemius St. Brown there, like screwing things up, and um, it, it was using a, to stretch. 
Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm willing to to say that Boykin has a higher ceiling than I thought, but um, still a weird career that I'm very tentative on as well. Which of these other guys do you love? Um, you mentioned Paris Campbell. I think he's a very interesting slot guy. I don't see the deep threat that people uh, are kind of slotting him in, into, kind of like Curtis Samuel a few years ago. A, a nice slot guy that can help you out, uh, help a quarterback out if he needs a dump-off guy. Uh, I don't know if he's worth a, th- a first-rounder, but historically those guys do go late first, early second, so I like that. And And the other guy... Kelvin Harmon's kind of just been chugging along here, slowly dropping in the rankings, but he hasn't done anything to truly damage his stock for me. Uh, I I like him as a, as a solid uh, guy that can be a starter for a team. I currently have him as a second rounder. Uh, So I, I think he's an interesting guy that can emerge. And, and when it's all, when the dust has settled on this class, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, finishes as top three or four in career receiving yards. 